The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. I just want to say, you know, that he, if you guys weren't here when Brandon gave his testimony, it wasn't that long ago that he was sitting with the gun ready to take his life. And so, you know, what we do in trying to bring people to the Lord and trying to get people to understand God's love and his care for them, it's really a life and death issue. I mean, it really matters. Uh, everything from L3 to the women's groups to the community groups to... I mean, every aspect is the devil is really out. The Bible says he's looking for whom he can devour. He's literally looking to take people out, looking to take their life, take their hope, take their courage, and just to wipe them out, either to cause them to be isolated in their homes alone and to just be out that way because they're just totally pulled out of society or to literally take their own life or to have someone else take their life. I mean, from literally from conception all the way to the grave, the devil is trying to take life out. All the way. And we bring a message of life. The Bible says a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. And so how cool is it that an amazing of God is it that somebody who the devil was trying to get to, to kill himself not that long ago is now writing music about true power coming from the Lord, set free. Amen. So that's a testimony for all of us. Wherever you're at in life. Maybe you're struggling. You don't know if God can use you. Maybe you struggle with emotional things, depression. Maybe you struggle with addiction. Maybe you got something going on. You know what? There is hope. There is hope. And if you know somebody and you're like, I don't know if there's hope for them, guess what? There's hope for them. Because we're seeing it time and time and time again where God is delivering people and setting people free. And he's bringing them not just out of what they're not supposed to do, but bringing them into what they are created to do. And so that's what we want to believe for. So... Uh, we're going to jump into the word. I'm going to pray. We're going to get in. We're still talking about Jesus being bigger than you think. Uh, and that is, we had our little guys we handed out. If you missed that and you remember that service, we gave out our little Jesuses. On the back, it says not to scale, right? Because this is not as big as he is. Sometimes we think of him like, oh, it's Jesus in my pocket, you know, or he's like, you know, Jesus in my heart. Well, he must be pretty small. Well, he's in our heart in a sense, and that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and that he's given us his Holy Spirit. We're the temple of the Lord. But in reality, he is still the God of the universes. He's beyond our galaxies, beyond everything. He created all of it. He created time, so he's outside of time. He has all of this greatness, and sometimes we minimize that and lose sight of it because we're so focused on the fact that, well, he's in my heart. And it's a personal relationship, but it actually makes him feel small and personal because he's able to do that. But he's actually much larger. If you think about a baby, you walk up to a baby and you, you see somebody and they get around that little tiny kid. And how do they talk to him? They start talking like baby talk, right? Start talking. Well, it makes them seem like they're not very adult, right? Like, oh, that person's kind of a baby. Look, they still talk baby talk. But they actually are an adult. They're purposely coming down to the level of the baby for connection, Okay, so sometimes we make God seem small, but it's really God coming down to the level that we need for our connection, but it doesn't minimize the fact that he is still so much greater, so much more intelligent, so much more powerful, so much more amazing. It's just that we experience him at the level that we're able to because he's actually brings himself down into our space 
to talk our talk. Which compared to the infinite knowledge of God and the infinite power of God, it really is it's probably much less than baby talk for him to be able to do it, for him to come down and do it. And we'd be embarrassed to see him talk to us if we could see it in real life. Uh, but we're going to talk about today uh, what's next. And this is Jesus being bigger than our plans. And what happens whenever you do something in your life, and it's great, it can be an awesome accomplishment, the very first thing people ask is what? What's next? What's next? You know, we have people that are, uh, you know, your, your baby starts walking, and it's like, oh, or starts crawling, and everybody's like excited they're crawling, but what do they ask real shortly after that? Are they walking? When are they going to walk? Well, they're not walking yet, but uh, is something wrong? You should get them checked out. Uh, they're only eight months old, but my baby walked at eight months old. Why isn't your baby walking at eight months old? And everybody's like, what's next? What's happening? Then they start walking, and they start doing, are they going to ride a bike? Have they rode a bike yet? Can they ride a bike? No, they can't ride a bike yet. Well, you might want to get them on one of those bikes without pedals so they can start learning to balance because sooner or later they're going to have to ride a bike. And we think about the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. We got people getting ready to graduate this year, um, hitting their graduation classes, class of 2023. And everybody's excited, but it probably already started even before you graduated. Like you work all these years, right? Some of you work 20, what, 20 something years to graduate high school. However many years, you graduated, right? You graduate, you get there, and you're like halfway through senior year, and you're thinking, finally, I'm done. And what does everybody say? What's next? What are you doing? What's your plans? Where are you going? What happens after this? Like, I don't know. I was just trying my whole life to get through this. <laughs> it's like, well, you better get a plan, right? So then, okay, that happens. So then you get a job, and then you get married. And then they say, oh, when you're having a baby, um, like, we're just getting married, like, next week. Like, I know, but do you think about babies yet? And you have a baby. But they, oh, when are you going to get a playmate? Oh, well, I, we don't have a playmate yet. They're going to need a playmate. It's, what's next? What's next? What's next? To the point of where we oftentimes just lose the ability to enjoy what's going on. Yeah, when are you going to have grandkids? Oh, really? It just goes on and on and on. And so you go to a restaurant. You order the appetizers. The appetizers come, and you start to enjoy it. And what do you start thinking about? I mean, they're barely there. You're just barely tasting them. You're thinking, when's our food get here? Um, that's food right in front of you. I know, but it's not what I ordered. But you wanted that too. I know, but I've already tasted this. Where's the next thing? You know, you go, anybody been to a buffet, filled your plate up, ate part of it, and then before it was all gone, you just pushed the plate aside, and you go get something else? Anybody? Like, you didn't even finish what you put on the plate, but you're already thinking about what's next. I got to get there. You know, TikTok and all these things, they make their money and they've grown so big. Why? Because they give you what's next really, really fast. It's like, man, I got like 10 seconds of this, 10 seconds of this, 10 seconds of this. Like, oh, it's so fast. I always get to what's next. And it feeds our dopamine and our excitement. But we have this attitude towards that uh, desire. Is that because we're selfish and we always need more? We're never satisfied? We just, oh, people are so unsatisfied. They're so selfish. They always got to have the next thing. And anybody ever think like that? Like, why are people that way? Why are they so selfish? Why am I never satisfied? Is it possible that either A, we're really selfish, and so we just are never, ever satisfied, or maybe we always want what's next because internally, like deep in our heart, deep in our spirit, we know that there is much more. And that there is something next. The Bible talks about that. The Bible says that God has set eternity into the hearts of man, into the hearts of humanity. That God has actually set eternity in there. So everything that we do in this life, there's something inside of us saying, this is good, but 
this isn't it. This is amazing, but this isn't all. This isn't all I made for. There's something else. There's something more. And the more that we try to satisfy that with the things that are now in this life, with our own plans, with our own achievements, with our own stuff, the more we find that we're still not satisfied. I'm still not satisfied with that. I tried. Well, if I only got to this level, if I only got a house, if I only put money away, if I only got this promotion, if I only started this business, if I only lost this weight, we have all these plans that we move towards, and it seems like one after the other, even if we reach them, we find out, like, I'm still craving something more. I'm still craving something next. The world's solution to that is, great, we'll sell you more. You want more? We got more. We got more right over here. And they'll just keep selling more and keep selling more. But it misses the point that the more that we really crave deep inside has nothing to do with the stuff that's here. Because we're not really made for here. We're made for eternity. To be, as we've been born again, we've been born again of the Spirit, and we are now made for eternity. We're made to be with God. We're made, when you look on a timeline of all eternity, the time that we have here is going to be such a tiny, insignificant, little tiny blip. The Bible talks about it like grass that withers away. It's like a mist that just blows away and it's gone. Like life comes and it goes, boom, and it's over. So I have a thing I want to show you guys. So I got this table. And I have two things that I'm really good at, so I know this is going to go amazingly well. Uh, camping. I'm an excellent camper. And I'm an excellent craftsman. And so I have decided uh, to bless you all with uh, a little bit of both of those. Uh, Jacob, will you bring me my sleeping bag? <clears throat> so if I was to go camping and I'm going to set up my campsite. Okay, first of all, one thing that we would need is we would definitely need... A sleeping bag, right? Okay. Sleeping bag is good. Yeah, it's wonderful. So I would have that, and I would lay it out really nicely. And then I want a nice shelter because if it rains or anything like that, so I would need some shelter. Um, so I've got lumber. I got to bring. I got lumber. And so I bring that, right? We're going to need this to camp. How many of you have this in your camping supplies? Got my lumber. Well, I don't want some thing that's going to fall on my head or a bear could get me. So I need that. i got to have all of my supplies to build out my shelter. And I also, of course, I'm going to need this stuff to stay together when I assemble it. So I don't want to be on, like, ground that's shaky. So I definitely am going to need to have some concrete, probably. I have to clear that out, move the pine needles, move the grass. Bring that over, make sure that I'm covered, and I will need to have, let's see, I need to have, oh, there we go. I don't want it to look bad because other campers might see me, so I will need paint, and of course a gun. No battery. In this one. Why? Because the battery is in my vehicle. It's in my pack. So I would need all this to get myself ready for camping. You guys with me? You feeling that? Okay, what's wrong with this? From an experienced camper, what is wrong with my setup? I need shelter. I need a place to lay my head, right? Like these are things. I need warmth. So where have I gone wrong? 
I need temporary shelter, not permanent. Well, it depends on how my marriage is going, but yeah. <laughs> Generally speaking, you would think you need temporary, right? So what would happen if you went camping and you walked out in the woods and you're trying to set up your tent and somebody rolls up with a construction truck and starts unloading all their stuff and starts building, like digging out a trench, putting in the concrete, building, and you're looking at them and you know this is like a 48-hour campground. You know, like it's a state park and like on Monday everybody's got to be out and this guy's just like concreting and he's building and he's putting, and you're just like watching like, what? You would think kind of crazy. Okay, so let me ask you this. When you look at somebody who is putting a unreasonable amount of effort into camping set up, you think they've missed the point. Just put a tent up, have your sleeping bag, and then enjoy the camping for what it's supposed to be. Time with your family, fishing, all these things. Okay. When you see someone putting an unreasonable amount of effort into building this life, why don't you feel the same way? If I live to be 85 years old, or 90 years old, or whatever age, if I went camping for a week, percentage-wise, that camping week would be a greater percentage of my life than my life will be of eternity. So this is actually more reasonable to put this type of effort into camping than it is to put an over-reasonable amount of effort into building this life that's here today and then what? Gone tomorrow. Well, what does that mean? Like, don't do anything? Are we all supposed to be homeless? Yes, amen. Let's go get donuts. No, it's not. What it means is sometimes we are so stressed, so worried, so anxious, so emotionally and mentally involved in making sure that this life works out the way we want it to work out. I've got to like make sure all my relationships are just right. I've got to put 500 nails into those and screws so that nothing wiggles out of the way. I've got to make sure that all my friendships are just right. I've got to make sure that I look just right and paint myself. I've got to, all got to be good because I want anybody to think I didn't do a good job building this. Uh, so much effort into how this life looks and feels and the comforts of this life that we literally miss the entire point that we're here, which isn't about what we can build here. The entire purpose of us being here is relational. It's to be relational with the Lord and it's to go and make disciples to be relational with others, right? Because how we you know my disciples that we love one another. It's supposed to be a relational piece of our journey where we, like Christ, are going out to serve, to love, and to care for others. And we're investing in something that's beyond right now. So when we make plans, most people, if I say, what's your plans for the next few years, five years, ten years? Almost all of the plans point to this. All the plans point to what am I going to do with my money? What am I going to do with my house? What am I going to do with my car? What am I going to do with my... Like, it's all related this way. 
versus what do you do with your plans? Well, these are the things that I want to do or that are in my heart that I want to do that invest in what comes next, in what's eternal, in what's beyond this. And what can I do now that sows into that? There are some things, but I want to read some verses before I get in there. John 3, 16. We all know this verse, but it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have what? Eternal life. Eternal life. Not life here, eternal life. Sometimes we spend more time on our physical health, more time exercising and eating right, than we do actually praying, worshiping, or eating the word right, which makes us have spiritual health. The body's here and gone, the spirit lasts forever. So which one should have a little bit more time? Right? It's thinking things through this way and thinking through, like, if the things I'm doing have an eternal impact, and, and how do I sow into that? Matthew 5, 12, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great where? In heaven. Your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He's saying, even the best people got persecuted, and this life was hard, but the reward is in heaven. So sometimes we get so stressed out and anxious and feel so offended and like the world is so unjust because I'm a good person and I'm trying to do good things but for some reason the world just seems to always want to kick me or persecute me or do something like it doesn't go right for me I'm so upset I'm so offended well I went to Disneyland once when I was a kid and we didn't have a lot of money and we had seven kids my dad was a landscaper at the time we had like no money we Stayed at a hotel far away from Disneyland, so we had to drive in the morning and get there. By the time we get there, their lines are way out in the parking lot. There's no place to park. You come in, you stand in line, and you're in line for hours. You're out there for like two hours of standing in the heat, waiting to go in. If I judge my entire thing by, in line is terrible. This is awful. I don't want to stand out here and wait for a ticket. And I left, and somebody says, how'd you like Disneyland? Oh, it was awful. The line out front was terrible. I had the worst experience I've ever had. It was so bad standing out there. Did you ever get inside? No, the line was terrible. Okay, well, you missed the whole point of where you were going, right? Okay, well, think about that. This life is really the beginning of where we're going. In a sense, this is the line. And I wouldn't judge my Disneyland experience based on my time in the line. Okay, and that's what this verse is talking about. You might feel persecuted here. You might feel like everything doesn't go right here, like you don't have everything you deserve here, like you're a good person, you serve, I, I give, I help people, I minister, I pray, I'm not selfish, but I'm not getting all my stuff. I'm not getting rewarded, I'm not getting respected, I'm not getting honored, I'm not getting blessed. Like what's going on? Well, what's going on is that you're just in line. Because this is temporary. It says that your reward will be great, not in line, not on earth, but actually in heaven. Why? Because that's where we're spending the most time. And if we really understood eternity, if we had a full grasp of it, and I said, okay, here's a question. Would you like to have your rewards now? Any investors here? Would you like to have your money now? Or would you like it to sit and grow for a while and get big and then you can have it? Well, let it grow. Okay, we know that naturally. Well, spiritually and every other way that God gives us emotionally and relationally, what he's saying is, you know what, right now is investment time, but you won't believe it when you get cashed out in heaven. 
That's where your inheritance is at. That's where the reward's at. And it's coming. And so we can't grow weary in doing good because in due time we reap if we don't lose heart. But part of that due time is actually the next time. Because we have eternity to reap the rewards and the blessings of the goodness of God for the things even that we do here on earth. That time you stop and pray for somebody. That time that you help somebody. That time that you called somebody that was hurting. That time that you came and served in a foster closet or you helped a single mom or you did whatever it was you were doing. That time you forgave when you didn't want to forgive and you're like, okay, I'm doing all the things, but I don't see all the blessings. Well, the blessing is there. It's being some given now, little bits, and the rest is being stored up and multiplied in heaven. That God's like, wait till you get here. Oh, I'm storing up inheritance. I'm storing up treasure for you in heaven. Your reward is great. I would have told you, but I'm going there to prepare a place for you. He says, if that wasn't so, I wouldn't have told you. I'm going to go make a place for you. Where is he going? It's not here. He's going to the next. He's going to the life after this. He's going to eternity. He's going to heaven. And he's saying, you know, I'm going to make a place for you that's amazing. In other words, I'm going to invest and build something that's going to last forever, that's going to just be mind-blowing for you. And so we know that where we are now isn't where we're always going to be. Where we are now isn't where we're always going to stay. I'm in a hard relationship. I'm in a hard marriage. And it seems like sometimes it's just so hard. And we both love God, but we're working on it. But it seems hard. And I just got to bail on this thing because, oh, it's just, it's not. This is just a blip. The investment and the work you're putting in to learn to love and to learn to forgive and to learn to walk things out in the Lord, all that's leading towards what's eternal that will last. It's so hard to, to keep investing in my kids, and I'm a single parent, and I just keep doing this, and it's so hard. And the rewards of what you're doing now, you won't see them all here. You're going to see things in heaven where God's going to be like, I can't believe it. Wow, you are just a rock star. You are just amazing. I love the way that you love them. I love the way that you invest in them. I love the way that you cared for them. Maybe they don't even see it, but God sees it. He says, what's done in secret will be rewarded openly. There will be a time of celebration, a time when you receive all the rewards for the good. That you do. So the encouragement that he gives us is to just keep investing. Keep doing it. You're going to win. There's going to be a reward. Don't grow weary, but do good. In due time, you will reap. Luke 23, 39 to 43, says, One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, Since you're under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we're getting what we deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong, talking about Jesus. And then, Jesus, then he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. When? Jesus is on the cross. He's dying. He's not coming to an earthly kingdom. He's going somewhere else. And he's like, hey, remember me when you get to the next place. It didn't work out so well for me here. This hasn't been good. And he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to help you. Maybe you were abused as a kid. Maybe you were in a bad relationship. Maybe you've been uh, sexually abused, mentally abused, emotionally abused, and you're working hard to work out of those things, to process through them, to have your eyes set on forgiveness, to have your heart set on the good things of God, to have yourself pointed towards his love and to live this way. But there's still this struggle and this discomfort, and you're not persecuted from outside. You're persecuted from inside. Due to things that have happened or mistakes that have been made, like, am I going to struggle with this forever? The answer is no. But you might deal with some of that throughout this life. 
Well, what do I do with that? Well, his strength is made perfect in weakness. It reminds us to empathize with those that have been through it and to use that to minister and to help and to pick up and to care for those people that might be going through a similar struggle. Because you're both at the same campground. I've been to a campground. You know what? It's nice. You can make it as nice as you want. But on day three, everybody stinks. That's just how it is. It don't matter what you brought in your camping supplies. You get to day four, day five, day six. It gets bad. This life, nobody makes it through the end of this life smelling great. Everybody's been through something. Everybody's had a struggle. Everybody's had to find a place in the woods to go relieve themselves and lose their dignity. It happens to everybody in one way or another. But this isn't the final place. We're moving on towards. So as we make plans, we say, you know what, Jesus is bigger than my plans. I've got plans, plans of things I want to do in my own life, things to do with my kids, things to do with our finances, plans I want to do for the church. I've got a lot of plans. But at the end of the day, I can work towards those. I don't have to stress or have anxiety or worry about them because you know what? These are my plans while I'm in line, and I'm going to make the best out of being in line. But even if I don't get there on all of them, once I get in the gate, I won't even remember being in the line. It's a good time. Everybody wins in there. Maybe I won't have as as much as this other person. Maybe I won't get as much respect. Maybe I won't get as famous. Maybe I won't get as known. Maybe people won't think as well of me. Maybe all the stuff I did, people won't notice. Maybe that person will never reconcile with me, even though I've tried to ask forgiveness. Maybe that won't happen here. We're all in line, and we're all grouchy, and we're all too hot, and nobody's eating. But when we get to the other side, that's where everything's made right. That's where everything works. Going on in 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 9, it says, But as it's written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, but what God has prepared for those who love him. This verse isn't talking about here. It can't be because it says no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no one has imagined. Like this is beyond what you can put on a dream board. Like, and I cut everything out of the magazine. I did the dream board. It's amazing. Whatever you put on a dream board, it's beyond what you can imagine what you've seen or what you've heard is what God has for us. And in this life, we're just doing our best to honor God, love God, love people, forgive, serve, care, point people to him, and keep people encouraged and moving forward while we're in line. You can do it. You can make it. Hey, don't quit. Don't get in your car and go home. It's going to be good when we get in. Just stay in line. Anybody else want to get in line? We all got tickets. It's a free ticket. You just got to know Jesus. We're all getting in. And it said bring people and encourage them and push them along the way. 2 Corinthians 5.8. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and to be at home with the Lord. See, Paul's having a revelation. He's understanding as he knows Christ more and more, and he's going through this life. He's like, man, I'm here to serve. I'm here to do what God's called me to do. I've been investing in the lives of others. But man, I cannot wait to get home to be with the Lord. I can't wait to get there. I've been near death with a lot of people that have gotten to the end of their age or they're in sickness or illness or whatever has brought them there. And if they are somebody who's been walking with the Lord and they know Jesus, literally every single time, they all have the same confession. I'm ready to go home. I can't wait to get there. Because it's a reality. It's not just an idea. It's a reality of where God's taking us to. And this life is just a part of it. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish. It's not here. It's beyond. And so even if we feel like some of the stuff we're trying to build here keeps falling down or somebody keeps coming by and kicking it, and I got this far and then somebody came by and graffitied on the side of my whole place. Somebody kicked in my window. I got squatters living inside of my spot. Even if that's where we are at times, he's saying that we have a place that's never going to perish, spoil or fade. And he says, this is the inheritance that's kept for you in heaven. So who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. He's saying, there's more. It's going to be greater. There's going to be more. Yes, we're supposed to enjoy our life here. He came that we may have life and have it abundantly. We're supposed to enjoy it. We want God's blessing. His mercy and his goodness will follow us all the days of our life. We sang about that in one of our songs today. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. We're to be free from our sins, free from bondage. It's free from all these things. But even at its best, and it can be good, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It can be good. Even at its best, if everything goes right for the first four hours of your day tomorrow. Just perfect. You wake up five minutes before your alarm. Your loved one brings you coffee. Your little kid doesn't wake up before you. The toilet doesn't clog. Car starts right up. You're merging into the freeway and the person that normally cuts you off taps their brakes, slides over and waves, lets you in. Even if everything went perfect until 11.30, it still wouldn't be as good as it's going to get. Even if your investments work out and your money grows and your finances grow and you have lots of money and you don't have to worry about retirement and everything's going great. Well, first of all, I'll just say you didn't have to worry about retirement anyways. You can be properly prepared But you don't need to worry about it because Jesus said you don't need to worry about what you eat or drink or what you wear. And worry is different. Worry is when we take it upon ourselves and stress out that, oh, no, God's not going to watch over me or take care of me. But even if on those things it all worked out perfectly, at the end of it all, you're going to be looking at a bunch of money that you have saved up and a great house and a great place and thinking, who am I leaving this to? Because it's going to go to somebody else at the end. And sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's not good. Sometimes when people get too much stuff that they didn't have to work for, it actually does them harm. Rather than having it maybe reset or be a little bit slower in what's coming to them. And so we can build up in this life, but when we go to the next one is where we don't have those problems and those issues. Second Peter 3.13, but in keeping with this promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven, a new earth where righteousness dwells. A place where... It's permanent. It's going to be lasting. Hebrews eleven sixteen, But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. God has a whole place prepared for all of us. That's coming. Revelations 21, 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. God's plan is not just to save us, it's not just to get us out of our sin, and it's not even just to get us to heaven. The whole point of Him getting us to heaven is that that's where He lives. 
It's his dwelling place. It's his home. His plan from the beginning is to have forever relationship with us. To love us, to care for us. You ever been abandoned? Had somebody leave you? Have a parent leave you? Have a friend leave you? Have a, a spouse leave you? God has a plan for a forever relationship with you. And so he's preparing a place, a place for you to be, not to, well, what am I going to have there? Who are you going to have there? Amen. Who? The God who created everything. You're going to be in daily, intimate, loving, fulfilled, secure relationship with him. And it starts now while we're in line, but this isn't, the, this isn't the culmination of it. This isn't everything. It says, he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear. Any criers here? Anybody had something to cry about? Huh? My mom used to say the same thing probably some of your mom said. I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> and my mom used to do, anybody know what this is? My mom used to do that all the time. Seven kids. If somebody whined, she'd pull out the world's smallest violin. Play me a sad song. She says, do you need this? I'm going to stop, Mom. Stop. Stop. But there'll be no tears there, which means there'll be no mini violins. We won't need them. They'll be gone. Death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain. Anybody have physical pain in your body, emotional pain in your heart? Mental pain in your mind, there'll be no more pain. For the former things have passed away, and he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. The full newness of what God is bringing us into comes partly in this life, and then as we move into the next life where everything is new, where it is permanent. And we can look forward to that as believers. Ephesians 3.20 talks about that. It says that his... It says to him who is able to immeasure, do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's worked within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. God is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. Well, the implication there isn't just here because somebody's done whatever you can imagine. Somebody's probably done it. I have inventions all the time. I invented the roll-up hamburger that goes in a hot dog bun. I invented that a few years before 7-Eleven. I kept telling Carrie, we got a roll of hamburger. Gross, nobody would eat that. I'm like, what? When we have a barbecue, we don't have to buy two kinds of buns. She's like, that's gross. Nobody would eat that. I'm like, why would they eat it? It's bread, it's a burger. It's bread, it's a burger. It looks like a hot dog. She's like, it's gross. <laughs> Guess what? We go on a camping trip. We come back from the camping trip. We're driving through the town. I look over at 7-Eleven, and guess what's plastered on their window in a big, gigantic poster board? Those griller dogs burgers the rolled up hamburger that goes in a bun and I'm like that's my idea whatever you think you've imagined somebody's probably imagined so he's not just talking about this earth but he's saying he can do so much more in you and through you than you can imagine why because the things that you're doing now have an eternal impact well, I thought I helped that person because, you know, I, I helped them out and I, I helped them out with their radiator or I helped them out with this issue or I sat down and talked to them and they left and they felt so much better and it feels like, you know, they, they, they're leaving some of that behind and they're going to move towards the Lord and you're thinking, that's what I did. Hopefully this helps turn their life around and God's like, no, it's way bigger than that. That got them in connection with me and they received Christ. They received what he's done for them and now what you've done in that little 30 minutes with them has now become eternal. Eternal. 
And they're going to be with me forever. And so even the little things that we do in people's lives are little seeds that we sow, but the increase in the growth that happens through them is way beyond what we can imagine, and we won't even understand the impact that we had until we get to heaven. You might be praying for people. You have a gift of intercession, and you pray, and you're like, I don't even know if this does any good. And then you get to heaven and find out that so many divine appointments and connections and things happened and were made because you were praying and talking, and you were standing in the gap for somebody. And you realize, oh my gosh, I helped with all of this. This is amazing. It's beyond what we can ask or imagine because he is at work in us. So we're going to take time right now, actually, and uh, this isn't directly a graduation message, but we all are going to graduate. We're going to graduate out of this life, and we're going to move on to the next one. And what we do here has consequences and rewards in the next one. And so I just want to encourage you, as you live your life day to day, when you do things, imagine the eternal significance of what you're doing is having. And ask yourself, is what I'm doing something that will have a significance? And if it's not, how can I realign some of my time to do more of what's significant? And then when I'm doing that, how can I enjoy, not just now, but look ahead and say, wow, do you know what, Lord, thank you. Thank you for what's coming. Thank you for what you're doing. I'm excited about this. When you plant a garden, you start talking about the strawberries way before they come. You start enjoying them, telling stories about them, getting recipes, thinking about them, getting your jars to jam them. We can talk about, think about, be excited about the rewards that are coming, even though we're only planting them right now. And spend some time in gratitude, thanking God for what's coming down the road. Amen? Um, all right, so if you're a graduate, 2023 grad, stand up. We have a little gift for you. Um, and we want to, um, come on now. Honey, you want to go pass these out? Uh, yes, come on up and get your gift. Just stand. You don't have to come on stage. Come stand right here. We're just going to pray for you. Sneaking behind. So we have a little gift for them. Uh, it's a keychain, and it has uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 on it. It says 2023. Offer to keep on your keys. Uh, so we want to, if you guys are here, look, we're going to pray as a church. Okay? Because what everybody's going to be asking is what's your plan? What's next? What's next? But not just for them, but even for ourselves. Lord, help us see what's next in your eyes. Because it's so much more than just the next job, the next thing that we're doing. Amen? So if everybody can just stretch your hands forward. Uh, if anybody uh, close by wants to come up uh, and pray with us as well, uh, let's just pray over them. And just believe that God's going to give them just a wonderful uh, vision of what he wants to do in and through their lives as well. And receive it ourselves, even that God would do that in us. Father, thank you for your goodness. God, thank you that these... Uh, young people are graduating, Lord. They put in the hard work, God, to uh, learn what chat GPT is and to get through all their classes this year. God, whatever they had to do, Father, we just uh, give it to you. We thank you, Lord, that, God, they got through. They're graduating. Lord, that they have a hope and a future in yes. you. Amen. God, we ask that you would give them clarity, Lord, of just the significance that their life has. Lord, not just in the things that the world tells them are important, but in the things that you have made them for. Lord, help them to feel valued in that, confident in that. God, I ask that you would, uh, Lord, protect them, Lord, and, and guide them and lead them in their lives, Lord, towards your great purposes. Lord, we just lift them up to you, Father, and we thank you. 
Lord, for who they are, we thank you that they're here. Lord, we thank you for the value that they bring, both now and in the future. God, we pray you bless all that they do. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Uh, Madison's going to come up and dismiss us. And for you guys, I would just take that home. Read this next plan coming up um, on God's planning. But always plan with your mind and your heart and your vision on more than just now. Because a lot of what we do is headed that way. Amen? Amen. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.